Well, good evening and welcome to our Sunday night service here at Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. I'm Pastor Chris Hall, and it's good to have you with us uh, tonight as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Now, last Sunday night, what a joy it was, what a tremendous privilege it was to look at the second coming of Jesus Christ from Revelation chapter 19. Now, tonight we continue our study in Revelation 19, and we're going to look at the Battle of Armageddon. The Bible teaches us, Revelation teaches us, that when Jesus comes again, the forces of the world, the forces of the Antichrist, the armies of the world will have been gathered together, and the forward staging area for that massive army, the armies of the world, will be the Valley of Megiddo outside of Jerusalem, the determination to destroy the nation of Israel. And then Jesus will come again, and he will deliver his people. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. We'll be looking at uh, the Battle of Armageddon. It's found in Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 17. And I invite you to take your Bibles and turn your Bibles there as we continue our study into the book of Revelation. Uh, I pray that you had a wonderful time at your church this morning as your church family gathered together to worship the Lord. We here at Mercedes Baptist Church had a wonderful time. We had a good crowd, good spirit. We sang great hymns of the faith. Uh, we fellowship with one another. We prayed with one another. We encouraged one another. We uh, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we were blessed as we came together to join together with our church family this Sunday morning. There's something like being in church, nothing like being in church on a Sunday, Sunday morning. And the best way to end the Lord's day is to end it in the Lord's house. And that's what we're doing tonight as we continue our Sunday night study of the book of Revelation. But before we read these verses... Let's access one of the great privileges of the Christian life, and that is the privilege of prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for a good day today. We thank you for a blessed day today. We thank you for who you are and all that you do for us. Tonight we pray for those who are in need, whatever that need may be, for physical needs, material needs, financial needs, uh, health needs, spiritual needs, whatever those needs may be. We pray for all of those who are in need tonight. We pray for your grace and your mercy to be with them. We pray that you will bless them and encourage them tonight. Give them hope. Give them the assurance of your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Now bless us again, Lord, we pray, as we open your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read tonight Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 17. And here's what the Bible says. John, the human author of the book of Revelation, is, is given this scene of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he described that in the verses we looked at last week. And now he talks about what we call and what the Bible refers to as the battle of Armageddon, the last battle on the face of the earth. Uh, before uh, Jesus sets up his millennial reign. So let's read this together. Revelation 19, 17. John said, Then I saw 
and angels standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all of the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of captains and of kings, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the king of the earth, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, that's the Antichrist and the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, that is Jesus Christ. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. These verses describe the battle of Armageddon. Now, the battle of Armageddon will occur at the end of the seven years of tribulation. This climactic battle of human history will occur when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, as he promised, in great power and in great glory. The massive army of the Antichrist which will be made up of the combined armies of the world, will surround Jerusalem and the land of Israel. The Antichrist will be determined to hunt down and kill every living believer in Jesus Christ who is still alive in the tribulation world. And he will begin that evil task by targeting and starting with the nation of Israel. By this time, the nation of Israel will have finally accepted Jesus Christ as its Messiah. The nation of Israel has never fulfilled God's purpose for that nation to be his witnessing nation to the world. Individual Jews have been saved. Individual Jews have received Christ. But the nation as a whole has never fulfilled God's purpose and plan for that nation, the nation of Israel, to be his witnessing people to the world. After the crucifixion of Christ, the church became the witnessing nation to the world. But during the time of the tribulation, after the rapture of the church, during the time of the tribulation, the Bible teaches us that all Israel shall be saved. That is, Israel shall miraculously, wonderfully, under the, the, the inspiration and the guidance of the two witnesses at the wall in, in Jerusalem and of the 144,000, the nation of Israel, will come and finally receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. So by this time, the entire nation of Israel will have finally accepted Jesus Christ as its Messiah. And in full defiance of the Antichrist, the nation of Israel will have finally fulfilled God's calling 
to be his witnessing nation to the world. They will do that by boldly declaring the good news of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of the tribulation, in the tribulation world. The Antichrist will be convinced that he can defeat God. And he can defeat God in this way. The Antichrist will be convinced that if he kills every believer in Jesus on the earth, especially every Jewish believer, then the plans of God and the purposes of God will be defeated. And so the Antichrist will gather all of the armies of his then fracturing empire, his worldwide domination. He'll gather all of the armies of the world to surround the nation of Israel, to destroy the nation of Israel, to kill every living Jew and eventually every living believer in the tribulation world. In that way, the Antichrist believes that he can defeat God. God will no longer be able to fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel if the nation of Israel does not exist. So in reality, at the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist and his armies will be fighting to defeat God. That's the plan. That's the motive. To kill all of the Jews who now believe in Christ and to kill every living believer in the tribulation world ridding the world of those who have faith in Christ. And in that way, the Antichrist, in his twisted heart, his twisted mind, in his evilness, believes that he can defeat God. First of all, I want us to, to see the description of the Battle of Armageddon as it is found in the Old Testament. There is a picture of this final battle. And there are fractures of pictures of the Battle of Armageddon in the Old Testament. But I want us to look at this description of the Battle of Armageddon that is found in the Old Testament. It is pictured in several places in the Bible. One of those places is Psalm number two, the second Psalm. In the first three verses of Psalm number two, the psalmist asks this question. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. This is the scene of the battle of Armageddon. The nations of the world, the kings and the rulers of the earth, will gather together their armies. Their vast armies will come together to destroy Israel. But beyond that, their goal is to fight against the Lord and his anointed, the Messiah. The desire of these evil and rebellious nations is to be finally and forever free of God. What is the response of God in heaven to this massive show of force, the greatest army that has ever come together in the history of the world? 
What will God do when he sees this vast army that is arrayed against Israel, this vast army which is ready to do battle with himself? What will God do? Is he frightened? Is he worried? Listen to the second Psalm, verses 4 through 6. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet, God says, I have set my king on the holy hill of Zion. My king will come and he will sit in rule in Jerusalem. In the face of man's arrogance, in the face of man's unbelief, God will laugh. He will scoff at the Antichrist. He will scoff at his massive army and his powerful allies. The Lord will hold them in scorn and derision. And after laughing at them, the Lord will speak to them in his anger. He will terrify them in his fury. When Jesus comes again, the Antichrist and his armies will easily be defeated. And Jesus will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And he will rule the world as king. That's the description of the Battle of Armageddon from the Old Testament. Let's talk about the duration of the Battle of Armageddon. In spite of the massive force that is now arrayed against God. In spite of the significance of this battle. The reality is that with all of those armaments that are now pointed at the nation of Israel, all of the, the tens of millions of soldiers who have now gathered together in one spot, the reality is that the battle of Armageddon really won't be much of a battle at all. In fact, the battle of Armageddon will be over in a second. Sometimes on some of the channels on television, you will see programs that talk about the Battle of Armageddon, and they look at it in a non-biblical way as if it will be some great confrontation between the armies of the world. No, it will be the armies of the world confronting God. And in spite of the forces arrayed against God, this battle won't last very long. In fact, the Bible teaches that the battle of Armageddon will be over in a second. 2 Thessalonians 2.8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, that is the Antichrist, whom the Lord will consume, listen, with the breath of his mouth, and he will destroy the Antichrist and his armies with the brightness of his coming. The Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus will use two mighty weapons to defeat and destroy the Antichrist and his forces. He will use, number one, the words of his mouth, and number two, the brightness and the glory of his appearance. 
Isaiah 11:4. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. With the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. When Jesus comes again, when the battle of Armageddon is about to begin, when the first missile is about to be launched toward Israel, when Jesus comes again, he will basically say two words. And the battle of Armageddon will be over. Jesus will say, drop dead. And the armies of the Antichrist will. The second weapon Jesus will use at the battle of Armageddon is the brightness or the glory of his coming, his appearance. When Jesus comes again, he will come in the full display of his divine glory and power. <laughs> and the evil armies of the world, in rebellion against Almighty God, won't stand a chance. Titus 2.13 looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, 30, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we've seen the description of the Battle of Armageddon from the Old Testament. We've seen the devastation or the duration of the Battle of Armageddon over in a split second. Let's look at the devastation of the Battle of Armageddon. Though the Battle of Armageddon will be over in a second, these verses that we have looked at tonight describe the devastating results of this battle. Now, let me remind you of this. Who is it that will be arrayed against God in the battle of Armageddon? It will be the army of the Antichrist. Now the army of the Antichrist will be made up not of innocence. The army of the Antichrist will be made up of hardened and ungodly sinners who have sided with Satan during the time of the tribulation. In the army of the Antichrist, there will be kings and captains. There will be mighty men. There will be free and slaves, small and great. All of them sinners who have sided with the Antichrist. People who have taken the mark of the Antichrist. People who have worshipped the Antichrist. These are hardened sinners who hate God and who have continuously rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have persecuted and martyred many believers in Christ during the time of the tribulation. No. The army of the Antichrist will not be an army of innocence. This will be an army of hardened, hateful, and ungodly sinners. And they will be killed in just a second. The Battle of Armageddon will result in a slaughter, 
that is unprecedented in human history. According to Revelation 14, 20, uncounted millions of dead bodies will be strewn throughout the valley of Megiddo and for more than 200 miles surrounding the nation of Israel. John writes in the aftermath of the battle, an angel will appear in the sky and that angel will call for the vultures of the earth to come and gorge themselves on the flesh of the fallen army of the Antichrist. Even after the birds have gorged themselves, according to Ezekiel 39, 12, it will still, still take seven months to bury the remaining corpses. Next, from these verses, I want us to see the disposition of the Antichrist and the false prophet. While the Antichrist drops dead, while the army of the Antichrist, rather, drops dead around him, the Antichrist and his false prophet, his evil companion, will be captured, not dead, but alive. Without going through death, these verses tell us that the Antichrist and the false prophet will be prepared by God for an eternity in which they will be cast alive into the lake of fire. Now, this is the first mention in the Bible of the lake of fire. Here's what the Bible teaches, that one day hell and all of those who are in hell, hell itself and the population of hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How can we understand this? Well, one way we can understand this is by thinking about the infamous Alcatraz prison in San Francisco, in the Bay of San Francisco. Alcatraz prison was one of the most secure prisons in American history. Not only were the walls of Alcatraz prison high and the iron bars strong, Alcatraz also lay on an island in the middle of the shark-infested waters of the San Francisco Bay. So if somehow a prisoner could escape the walls of Alcatraz, they were still stuck on the island. They were still incarcerated, imprisoned on the island. Hell is a horrible prison for those who reject God's grace and mercy. And those who reject Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And the Bible teaches that one day hell and every person who chooses to go there, chooses to go because and by their rejection of Jesus Christ will be plucked up, hell itself will be plucked up and cast into a lake of fire. So even if a person could escape hell, which is impossible, 
they would still be incarcerated in the lake of fire. This is a statement. There is no escape from the eternal judgment of hell. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be the first men, the first of men and angels, to arrive in the ultimate location of hell itself, the lake of fire. Oh, these are woeful verses that we have looked at tonight. They break your heart. In one way, they break your heart because they help you to understand that people are lost and they need the Lord. And the course of their life in this world and their eternal destiny depends on what they do with Jesus Christ. My friend, if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to be saved today. You're saying, well, Brother Chris, you're trying to scare me. Listen, my friend, if I could scare you into believing in Jesus, I would. The eternal destiny of everyone who rejects Christ is made clear in the Word of God. You may not believe it. You may hate it. You may reject it. You may not want to think about it, but it's clear and it's true. But Jesus Christ came into the world that none may perish but that all may come to repentance. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you might not be lost and separated from God for all eternity. What must I do to be saved? That's the most important question. What must you do to be saved? Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Come to Him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. I have broken your laws and your commands. I have rebelled against you. I have rejected you, but I come now and I ask you to forgive me. And I believe with all of my heart what the Bible declares, that you are the Son of God, that you lived a perfect life, and that you went to a cross and you died on that cross for my sin. And today I believe in you. Today I believe in you. And today I receive you as my Savior and I surrender my life to your Lordship. You pray that prayer. Ask Christ to come into your life. The Bible assures us that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord in that way shall be saved. Hallelujah. You say, are these verses true? Is this a fantasy? Yes, it's true. Prophecy is history revealed before that history has happened. Absolutely true. My friend, it is foolish to ignore and deny and reject Christ and His grace. It is even more foolish to hate God and fight against Him. Like the Antichrist and his armies. Yes, heaven is real, but so is hell. My friend, get ready today for eternity. God loves you. He gave His Son to die on the cross for you. He desires that none perish, but that all come to repentance. Trust in Christ today. Receive Him as your Savior and Lord today. Be saved today. Give your life to Christ. Thank you for joining us tonight.
for our study of the book of Revelation. We'll continue it next Sunday night. Until then, our prayer is that God will bless you.